What specifically would you do that you aren't currently able to because your health condition is holding you back? Welcome to Balance Health Now podcast. I'm your certified functional nutrition health coach and your host, Sydney Torres. My passion is helping women balance their hormones naturally and improve gut function. Being a health detective, finding the underlining root causes. My other passion is speaking to other health and wellness warriors who share the same vision, wellness for all. We chat all things A to Z on holistic health and wellness, providing holistic and science-based solutions to help you reclaim your health so you can live, feel, and transform into the best version of you. If you don't have your health, then what do you have? I release new episodes every Wednesday. Hope to see you inside. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only. The content should not be used to diagnose, treat, cure any medical or psychological disorder. Today, I have a very special guest, Antonella Duhl. How are you today? Very good, Sydney. Thank you so much for having me. And I just want to say thank you so much just for being here and hanging out. And today, um, we are going to be talking about irritable bowel syndrome and how this does not have to rule your life. So if you are suffering from IBS or if you know somebody that is going through IBS, this is going to be a must listen to episode. But before we get started, I just want to learn a little bit more about who you are and what you do. You are a registered dietitian and you are a certified chef. And you specialize in helping women with IBS overcome their food triggers, the bloating, the gas, and giving them hope so they don't have to live their whole lives in in pain and discomfort. So Antonella, I just want to hear a little bit more about how you became so passionate uh, about IBS and helping women. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Sydney. Um, it's been quite of a journey, um, and I've been a dietitian for over twenty years. Uh, and uh, um, at, at first, I worked uh, in the field of clinical research studies, uh, mostly at Stanford University. And uh, at some point in my career, I decided that, that I wanted to make more of direct impact in people's lives. Research was great; I loved it. I love my time there. But it seemed like I was getting a little bit away from nutrition and from uh, directed impacting people. It was more like of an administrative kind of job. Um, and uh, so I decided to start uh, uh, counseling people one-on-one uh, as, a, as a side job. And after you know a couple of years of that, I realized uh, how many people are actually suffering with GI symptoms. So I was seeing people for different kinds of reasons. Maybe it was weight loss or diabetes or high cholesterol. And uh, it just started getting, you know, this, this theme very dominant. And I thought I should look uh, it up, um, um, you know, more deeply, especially, you know, the topic of irritable bowel syndrome. And, uh, um it actually happens that it's very prevalent disorder. Um, 10 to 15% uh, um, of the population worldwide suffer 
from um, IBS. And also happens that um, most of them are women. Two out of three people with IBS are indeed women. So I decided to, you know, dive deeper and uh, uh, learn more about IBS and the strategies that uh, were available at that time um, for managing uh, these very, you know, life-disrupted symptoms. Uh, uh, because also what, um, you know, really uh, struck me was that, uh, you know, it really impacts the quality of your life. And people were very limited in what they could or could not do. You know, people would like not be able to leave their house because they had to be really close to a bathroom at all times, be afraid of going on long car trips or even traveling. Um, or and and so I decided to you know specialize in this field, and uh, only now I only see um, you know people with IBS, and it's it's been very very rewarding because as we said at the beginning, you know you don't have to suffer with these symptoms. Uh, um, there is a way to management uh, and some, you know, um, lifestyle and dietary modifications, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on, you know, can actually do wonders to help people, you know, be able to um, manage their symptoms and most of all, live, you know, the life they want, uh, a full vibrant life that's not limited. But by the, you know, and that doesn't have to revolve around their gut symptoms. Yeah. And, you know, Antonella, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because there's so many people that are going through this right now, but they don't, they have like the signs and the symptoms, but like they don't really know what it is. And a lot of times, you know, you go to your, your, your doctor and you express these concerns like, okay, I've got the bloating, the gas, and you know, I, my life is just miserable. And a lot of times the doctors, sometimes they don't have the answer. So by us having this conversation, we are bringing awareness to this. So, you know, the quality of life, like you said, what struck you was people weren't having that quality of life. And that is huge. That That is huge. So, you know, I'm just excited to, you know, like dig in and just kind of like pick your brain about this so people can just like my, my main message is, like you said, this does not have to be the rest of your life. There is definitely there is hope. So let's kind of lay the foundation. And if you can just explain what IBS is, and if you could also talk about that gut brain connection and how it's just all connected there. Yeah, absolutely. And it all comes together because uh, IBS is defined as a disorder of a gut brain access. Um, and what that means is that uh, it's not really a disease in the sense that there's uh, something structurally wrong with the gut. In fact, uh, when people go to their doctors and get some lab work done and maybe some imaging or scoping, you know, the results are negative and, and the doctor says there's nothing wrong with you, but the gut is not functioning the way it should. And what it comes down to is that this uh, gut brain connection is, is just not working the way it's supposed to. And the brain is misinterpreting the signals from the gut. Uh, 
so one way to think about it, as we all know what the, you know, we've all experienced butterflies in the stomach, right? Because we were anxious about the, uh, meeting somebody or job interview or presentation of work or exam at school. And uh, well, that's exactly what the gut-brain connection is. That's the gut and the brain talking. But for people with IBS, um, that talk is amplified or exaggerated. So any small stimuli, such as uh, you know a stressful event or something that we perceive as stressful as a job interview or a meal or specific foods, you know, um, um, the response there is is exaggerated, and so the the gut the brain responds with signals of pain, for example, or bloating. Um, a way to visualize this that I really like is to think about the stereo system, right, where the speakers are way too loud. Um, and, and, you know, so instead of just, you know, mild discomfort as a response to a stimuli or a food or a stressful event, then the um, brain responds with pain, bloating, and other GI symptoms. So what we need to do is sort of like, you know, turn down that volume. Yeah. So can we talk um, kind of like if you could go a little bit deeper and just talk about because you had just mentioned um, previously about um, the major triggers. Yeah. So um, I know when it comes to like diet and lifestyle is so hugely important when you're going on any sort of health journey, whether it be from like IBS or chronic headaches, we just have to have like those foundational pieces in place in order for everything else we do after to um to yield like the results we're looking for so yeah let's talk about diet and let's talk about lifestyle yeah absolutely and you just said that those are two of the major you know um triggers for IBS uh, um there, there's several and they're different for every people but most people will recognize food as an impact on their symptoms and the other really huge one is stress. And this could be, you know, a stressful, a major stressful event, uh, but it could also be that day-to-day -day chronic stress that we all sort of like live in in, in in this age, like of being busy and being overwhelmed and, you know, being running around all the time. And, and then of course, you know, other lifestyle um, aspects such as exercise and, and sleep, I would say those are the really major ones. And this point to the fact that when you're trying to find a solution for, you know, and then managing these kind of symptoms, you need to look at all of these pieces. So it's not just food, it's not just diet, but then you have to look into stress management and other lifestyle modifications. So if you're not sleeping, you know, adequately, you know, address that. If you're not exercising or you're exercising too much, address that as well. So what are your, like, what is like your personal number one or number two way to kind of like defuse your stress? Good question. Uh, oh boy, there's so many. Uh, and what I do tell my my clients uh, is, is they really have to find what works for them. I give them a, you know lots of ideas, uh, but a, a very very basic and simple one is to um, do some deep breathing. And you can do this uh, just before your meals, 
And I would recommend any time in the day when you feel like that stress response, you feel like you're overwhelmed or you're like you have too much to do and you're getting really stressed out. Just take a moment. It just takes maybe one or two minutes, a few deep breaths, that diaphragmatic breathing, um, you know, where you, you know, inhale slowly, you pause and then you exhale slowly. That can do wonders for really immediately relieving the stress. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I want to say never underestimate the power of simplicity because this very simple act of just taking those deep breaths in and out, it can just, it resets your nervous system. It kind of takes you out of that sympathetic state. And what I like to do is when I'm feeling frazzled or feeling stressed, what I'll do is I do do the breathing, but what I also put like my, both of my hands, like over my heart Mm. and I'll close my eyes and I'll make sure like my feet are like flat on the floor and I'll take about like one to two minutes and just breathe. And I'm telling you, you guys, this is so powerful. And this is, you could just before you know, you let every, like your stress, uh, get out of control, just like take the one to two minutes and, you know, close your eyes and just breathe and you will feel so much better. Yeah. Because, um, um, yeah, it's so true that most of us are living in this, you know, sympathetic, um, you know, fight or flight kind of mode, even if we don't realize it again, the business, the, all the to do's that we have on our list uh, for the day. And then we, don't often take a moment to uh, try and switch to the par- parasympathetic symptoms we, could ju- you, we can easily do with, with some deep breathing. And especially, you know, before we start eating, you know, if we are eating while we're stressed out, we're not in the best position to really digest our food well. So the parasympathetic system or, or mode is also called the rest and digest mode for one reason, because... <laughs> That's exactly where we need to be to digest our food well. And if we do that, then it's much less likely that we're going to have symptoms like pain and bloating. Yeah. And then I just kind of want to add to what you said as well. Um, Like while we're eating, um, I always like to tell like my clients, make sure you're in like a calm environment. Make sure you're sitting down at a table. You shouldn't be like... um, sitting at your office chair, you know, like on your computer or driving in your car, just literally take the 15 to 20 minutes and let this just be your sacred time. This is your time for you. This is your time to eat and your digestion will work that much more better. And just the simple act of just chewing your food, like really chewing your food before you swallow it instead of like one, two, three, chew, swallow. You know, that just, just helps everything. You know, it's like we, because, you know, digestion is one of the biggest stressors on the body. And if we can just do these little things to make it easier on our system, then, you know, like, why not do it? Absolutely. And chewing food is so important um, for digestion. I mean, digestion starts in the mouth. So there are some digestive enzymes in our saliva. And if we gulp down our food while we're busy working at the computer, you know, that digestive process is just not happening the way it should. So I'm I'm, I'm 100% there with you. (laughs) 
Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to IBS, I would like to hear what are some of like the biggest mistakes you see your clients doing that you would just like to um, bring our attention to? Yeah, yeah. So um, many times I, I, I meet people when they come and, you know, look for my help. Uh, um, who, you know, I would say one of the very biggest mistakes I see a lot of them do, unfortunately, is is going down on this rabbit hole of uh, um, restricting their diet unnecessarily. So what happens is that they start, uh, you know, just cutting out foods on their diet. And it's very understandable because if you're not feeling well and you're getting all of these symptoms, uh, the where your mind goes to first is, oh, there must be some food. And so they, 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 but the problem is that they start, you know, cutting out foods either at random or just because, you know, they read something online on social media or friends said, you know, I, I gave out gluten or I gave out dairy and I felt better. And the problem is that no two people are the same. So what worked for somebody, you know, will not necessarily work for you. And uh, uh, and so people start getting, um, you know, down what I call the, <laughs> uh, um, you know, uh, food restriction circle of health. So first they cut out gluten, then they cut out dairy, and then they cut out certain vegetables that they might feel they're gassy. And then they cut, no, the beans and the legumes because of those, everybody says they're, you know, gassy. And, and, and so oftentimes their diet is so restricted and becomes, uh, you know, not a nourishing diet anymore. Um, and, uh, um, you know, they might not even getting all the nutrients that they need uh, or the variety that they need for their gut to really flourish. Um, and at the same time, you know, their symptoms are not getting better, but there's then they get stuck there because then they're afraid of eating new foods. And so it becomes this really powerful, vicious cycle that's hard to get out to. Yeah. And, you know, I know how easy because I've been through like my own gut thing too. You know, I suffered from, you know, uh, SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. And I know a lot of like the signs and symptoms like crossover into IBS. But anyway, I can 100% relate to the food restriction. It's hard because it's just like everything you put into your mouth, you have a reaction and then you're just like, okay, I got to cross this off my list. And before you know yeah. it, you're, you're like, I was literally down to like five foods that I could eat. And on the same time, you know, it's just like my body was missing out on all like the, the nutrients and the minerals and the vitamins and that deficiency just can, it, it's kind of like that cascading effect. It's like yeah. now that you're not getting those nutrients, now you're going to start to get secondary problems in addition to what you already have. So I really, you know, I praise people for taking care of their health and Googling it and doing their own research and wanting to do like the DIY method. But in the same breath, I always just want to encourage people 
you need the support of a health practitioner. You need someone that can really guide you. And like Antonella said, we are all bio-individual. We are all different. So what, what works for me is not going to work for you. And that's where having that professional comes in because we can sit down with you. We can map out your personalized roadmap and say, okay, the, uh, this is going to work or maybe not. So, um, I just kind of like wanted to say that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, <laughs> you took words out of my mouth. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of food, you know, like how, would somebody figure out their food triggers? Because I think that's like one of the hardest parts. And I know just one of the things I did was I had to keep a food, um, a food diary. Because yeah. I was, I was never one to like write down what I ate. And I would always be like, oh, those food diaries. I would like see them in the stores and stuff when I, you know, would be shopping and I'd be like, oh, this food diary, like who would do that? No, I totally have a different viewpoint now. I just, it, it's so helpful just to kind of like write down your food. And this way you can see the pattern because I saw a lot of patterns once I started like writing down everything that I was um, eating. So if you could just kind of yeah, share more absolutely. about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a powerful um, tool um, that, uh, you know, a lot of people are not aware of uh, and it can be a little bit annoying and time consuming at first but uh, it's, it's definitely worth doing uh, because you never have so many people have told me you know as soon as they start doing it they say you know I, I it's never where I was eating either so much or my meals were so big or I was grazing all day long you can notice so many things once you start writing down your food journal um, not just about what you eat but about how you eat and all of those are really important in in the helping you know you um, overcome those symptoms um, but that's you know, I'm glad you asked about, you know, how can somebody find their triggers? Because that's really where my passion lies. That's where, you know, I I, I help my client with IBS with. And uh, what it comes down to is really a process of elimination and reintroduction. And uh, what I use is uh, what is called the low FOMAP protocol. Um, so what happens is that about 10 or 12 years ago, um, researchers at the uh, Monash University in Australia uh, figure out through a series of clinical trials which foods uh, are um, the most likely to trigger uh, symptoms uh, in people with IBS. And so they created this protocol where you eliminate those foods, but only for a short period of time. And I want to stress that and repeat that. So this is not a diet, you know, that you go on for the rest of your life. It's um, more like a um, process, a, a learning process that allows you to really figure out your personal triggers. So you eliminate these foods, again, with the help of a health professional, uh, uh, a dietitian who's really knowledgeable about this process and protocol and can guide you through it because it can be very, very tricky and hard to do on your own. 
and and then you um once you feel better um and the pain and the bloating and the gas have dramatically reduced then you can systematically reintroduce the foods that you had eliminated at first and so that you can really figure out which ones are the ones that were giving you those painful symptoms and at the end of this process you come up with your personalized diet because again, it goes back to really in individuality. There are I've, all the clients that I've seen in the past five years, I haven't found two that respond exactly the same to the same foods, right? So everybody needs to go sort of on this discovery journey uh, and do what I call some detective work uh, so that they can really figure out what there are their personal triggers. And then they can reintroduce all of the foods that didn't trigger any symptoms liberally only pay attention to the ones that did. And, and here it's not necessarily a matter of eliminating something 100%. Sometimes really that happens too, but only again for a short amount of time. But most of the time it comes down to portion size and reducing those triggers. So most people find that they will tolerate something in a smaller portion size. It's only when they eat bigger portion sizes that their, that their, you know, symptoms come back. And so, you know, in the end, they have a diet that's way more nutritious, uh, has a lot more variety, and it's also more enjoyable and more fun. And it's a lot easier to even go out to a restaurant or eat with friends and family, because you're not restricting all of these foods. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. My one of my other questions was if you could kind of talk about um, just being able to have that long term freedom, and if you could just kind of talk um, how somebody would start to work towards that long term freedom, like what could they do? Yeah, absolutely. So it goes, you know, back to what we mentioned earlier. Um, you want to address all of the factors that could be triggering IBS symptoms, uh, you know, your diet, your stress levels, uh, and, you know, stress management if needed, uh, uh, look at other lifestyle experts like exercise and sleep. So having this like comprehensive and holistic approach to, to symptoms management, not just think about diet or eliminating a few foods. Um, and, uh, um, Ultimately, what, what you really want is come up with uh, um, a diet that's very inclusive, uh, especially when it comes to plant-based foods. So we have all of these, you know, good gut bacteria in our gut that are really helping us in many ways and they're helping us staying healthy. They're helping our gut you know, be healthy because they protect the lining of the gut, they fight the bad bacteria, but uh, we're now understanding more and more how important they are for overall health, uh, um, you know, from weight management to mental health uh, to lots of different uh, um, conditions. And so it's important to have a really great variety of these good bacteria. And what happens is that uh, their favorite food is uh, fiber and fiber comes from plants, uh, which is often, you know, what people with IBS tend to sort of avoid at first when they're, when they're suffering with all these symptoms. 
Uh, and uh, um, but we actually want to include as many plant varieties, which means as many grains and fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and beans and lentils uh, to keep our bacteria happy, to keep feeding them so that they keep working for us and keeping us healthy as well. I just kind of have a curious question for you. So um, have you had any of your clients um, talk about like, probiotics? Well, it's, a, it's very often a question I get from people, you know, should I take a probiotic? Uh, and um, the, you know, where we are with the research uh, up at this, this point uh, and, and in looking at whether probiotics may be helpful for people with IBS, uh, it's uh, it's at the place where it's a bit inconclusive. So we don't really know if there is one specific probiotic or a combination of probiotics uh, that really helps people with IBS, and we don't know the doses. So even the you know American College of Gastroenterologists does not recommend that people with IBS take a probiotic. And my answer to my clients is always this: Let's you know, figure out your trigger first. Um, and then if there's still maybe some lingering symptoms or things we can quite explain, we can explore, you know, using some probiotics that have some, you know, evidence for your specific symptoms. Because, you know, there are so many probiotics out there, but it's important to use one that's been shown in research to be effective for the symptoms that you're going through, whether it's diarrhea or constipation or, you know, general IBS, bloating, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Just, yeah. Cause that's something, you know, like I, it seems like when it comes to like the IBS and to the SIBOs, it's to me, like the research that I've done, it's pretty much kind of like split down the middle. It's like mm. some people are like, oh yes, yes, you should. And then some people yeah. are like, mm, yeah, no, we recommend that you don't. But I, I, I definitely like your approach, you know, like, hey, let's work on the triggers first be, before we start worrying about the probiotics. And then we'll, yeah. we'll cross that bridge when we get to that point and make that yeah. decision at that time. So I have one final question for you. And that is, what is one thing you would tell somebody that they could do for their health? And that one thing, it doesn't have to be related to the gut. It could just be like anything. Mm, okay. And my third one is one that I already said. <laughs> I just try to make sure you get as many plant foods in your diet as possible. There's actually research that shows that, uh, you know, um, people could eat uh, um, 30 different kinds of plants per week, have a much better, you know, microbiome variety and diversity. And because that's so related to so many aspects of our health, I, I would think, you know, if, if you ask me only one thing, that would be it. Yeah. And I just want to like stack on your one thing, just about having a diversity of eating plants. You know what I want to, I, I want to, encourage everybody like one every week when you go to like the produce section just pick out one new fruit yeah. or vegetable or lettuce that you've never eaten before because I know it is so easy just to always go for the same thing because you know it you like it but you know like 
I think we need to start stepping out of our comfort zone yeah. a little bit and just exploring. So um, then this way you're getting, you know, like that vari variety of different um, plant sources. Absolutely. So where can people find you? So I have a website. It's uh, my name, AntonellaDuel.com, which is a mouthful, but I'm sure you'll <laughs> link it up for people. And then uh, I'm also on Instagram where they can find me at IBS Nutritionist RD and Facebook is the same. Okay. Now, when, um, now if somebody wants to work with you, are you 100% virtual or do you see clients in person in your area or do you do both? Oh, um, good question. Yeah, I am 100% virtual. So I do see people across the United States. So no matter where you are, as long as you're in the US. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you can come to my website. Yeah, there is also an easy way to book a call with me. We can just have a chat at first. Uh, if you have questions uh, and you want to learn more about um, uh, how I work and how I can help you, um, I'm, I'm really happy to do that. Yeah. And if, if you are suffering um, from IBS or you know somebody or you're just having like those classic IBS symptoms and you do not know where to start, I always say a good starting place is to maybe reach out to Antonella and just open that conversation up with her. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, from that conversation, I'm sure that you can guide them to where they need to be. That's what I love to do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I just want to say um, thank you so much for being here and just for the work that you do, because I'm telling you, like, what do they say? Health begins in the gut. So we yeah. definitely want to make sure our guts are happy and healthy. Yeah, and it's so true. I mean, if we're suffering with these gut symptoms, uh, you know, it, it does impact the rest of our life. And, and uh, uh, we all deserve to live a happy and vibrant life. So um, working on your gut is definitely worth it. Wait, don't go just yet. If you like today's episode, please leave a review. This way, the message of health and wellness can get shared with others. If you ever want to hang out, you can find me on Instagram at Balance Health Now. Until next time, stay well.